having twins actually helped my faith because I needed it so much. Twins, I can't tell you how much of a blessing twins are. If you look at the screen, you can see that there are three heartbeats, three babies. You're carrying three at one time. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. We're talking about multiples today, twins and triplets. Such a gift and also quite a challenge. And while I interviewed parents of twins for this episode, two of the parents were also twins themselves. Cool, right? My wife is a twin, and from the start, she was super excited, but me too. I just thought, it's, you know, you get two furs, two furs, it's double the blessing. <laughs> this is Paul Gundrow. I'm a professor of theology at Providence College. I have twins, twin girls. They are 11 years old. He's noticed that his twin girls have a special relationship. There's a special bond between twins, no doubt, because they just have known each other from the very start. Each other has been an intimate part of each other's life from the very start. They play with each other in a way that two siblings otherwise just wouldn't. But on the other hand, they also display the typical sibling issues, you know, uh, fairness uh, issues and otherwise uh, I need my space or I want my space. And there are two things that Paul shared that are going to be echoed by the other families on this episode. First, that multiples demonstrate the uniqueness of every human person. They're identical, completely identical in age, and yet so unique in their own personality, so unique in their own development. And you just see the beauty of the human person, the, the uniqueness of the person, and how God is just, God's creative power is just so marvelous that twins really hammer that home in a kind of powerful way. The beauty of God's creation and of his superabundant generosity in his creative power. It gets really emphasized with twins. And secondly, that a dad whose wife gives birth to more than one child at once has to step up his game. I took on certain roles in the family that uh, my wife had done, but which she wasn't able to. And then some of those I haven't given up because it turned out that I was good at them. Man. <laughs> Such as? Grocery shopping. I'm good at that. So we'll be focusing on two families today, the Siskis and the Kurs. We'll start with the Siskis. Well, my name's Stefan Siski. This is my wife, Valerie. We've been married almost 14 years, and we have seven boys, including twins in the middle. <laughs> and I'm Valerie Siski. I've known Valerie and Stefan for about 10 years. And yes, if I know you, you will be asked to be on a podcast at some point. Valerie is about 5'1", and that's an important detail for later. And whenever I see her, she is usually carrying a baby on her hip. Stefan is a redhead, and he's a twin himself. I'm a fraternal twin, and my twin brother definitely looks like my brother, but he's not, doesn't look like a twin. Uh, he's probably five inches taller than I am, and bigger and stronger, better looking. No, I mean... <laughs> um, We've always been good friends, and it's something that I took for granted growing up, having an automatic friend, and it's something I didn't really realize until maybe middle school or high school that other people didn't have that kind of relationship. I very distinctly remember praying for twins in eighth grade. I wanted twins. I wanted redheaded twins. And then I married Stefan, who is a redheaded twin. So I kind of at that point thought, 
oh, thanks. Thanks, God. You know, there's my redheaded twin. And I really didn't think much about it after that. And then once we had our first baby, I remember thinking that was such a new and difficult experience that I thought, oh, I don't know if I could do this with twins. But then when we were expecting them, go, yeah, I wanted this. They're not redheaded. So I don't know if that is still coming, but. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan and his twin, Anjay, did everything together until some cruel teachers split them up in middle school. Stefan's mom mostly avoided the temptation to dress her twin boys the same, but she was only human. There are some pictures of us wearing Mickey Mouse t-shirts in the summer, and then at one point we had a tandem bicycle, and so we would ride that around together, and, and then I'm not sure why we were dressed up, but there's a picture of us wearing formal pants and shirt with bow ties, both riding the tandem bicycle. So, But my mom didn't do a lot of the matchy-matchy stuff. Although I think we, Valerie and I do more of that with our twins. Stefan didn't think too much about whether twins would be in his future. But his twin, Anjay, was a different story. My twin brother wanted to have twins. The day they found out that they were having twins, he told his wife, Oh, I've been praying for twins. She, like, basically throttled him and said, you can't do that without asking my permission. (laughs) But it was too late. This was part of why Valerie was so sure she wasn't pregnant with twins, because what are the odds? The midwife, she was checking me, and she said, oh, you're measuring kind of big. And I thought, oh, great. Yay, it's my third baby, so I'm just going to be extra big this time. But she was kind of, like, curious about it. And she kept checking. She's like, you know, it could be twins. I sort of laughed because Stefan's twin brother had just found out two months before that they were having twins. So I was like, oh, no, that's my (laughs) sister-in-law. And the midwife sort of gave me a funny look. It was like, well, you might be having twins. (laughs) In case you need a little biology refresher, fraternal twins happen when there are two eggs available for fertilization. So it has nothing to do with the father. Then a week later is when we had the ultrasound. During that week, I had convinced myself that I had some sort of uterine cancer or something. And that's why I was measuring big. So I was really stressed out and anxious going into the sonogram. So as soon as we went in and the technician was like, well, I can definitely confirm that it's twins. It's like, oh, it was such a relief. (laughs) So it wasn't maybe your typical reaction to being pregnant with twins? (laughs) Relieved to be having twins rather than cancer, Valerie noticed that her two babies were already different. Joseph and James are so different from each other. Even in utero, I remember one side of my tummy being extremely active and the other side just laying low, like just hanging out. And that's Joseph and James. Joseph is... Busy, moving all the time, feisty. James was born with a southern drawl. I don't know how that happened, but he, like, I mean, I'm from Texas, but none of our children have ever lived in Texas. And he just, he speaks slowly and kind of ponders things. And Joseph jumps around and can't sit still. And when doctors thought they should induce her, Valerie was like, you know, they're okay in there. I remember thinking, I feel like they're a lot easier in here than when they're gonna than when they're out. Because I didn't have any problem. I was blessed with a very relatively easy pregnancy. There were no problems. 
So I can carry them around like this. I'm just going (laughs) to stick with that. (laughs) But as she discovered when they were born, they were very large, 6'11 and 8'9 respectively. She had been almost round. So our neighbor across the street, (laughs) he, he sees Valerie walking down the driveway and he shouts from all the way on his yard. Valerie, you're defying gravity. <laughs> so I'm not a tall, yeah, I'm not the big person. And I was, that was like the size of a planet. <laughs> Valerie jokes that the boys' personalities were obvious even in how they entered the world. Joseph was about two pounds lighter than James. And I think that's just all the activity. He was just always moving. Also, he was born first. And he was breached, so he was, like, kicking his way out. I always laugh that he was dragging James behind him, like, come on, it's time to go! <laughs> James was still thinking on it. And that's who the twins are so far. But that first month, with older kids who were four and two, and twin newborns, that was rough. So that first month, it was really, was difficult. Um, I remember... Yeah, it was a really difficult time for you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember crying and telling Stefan, I'm pretty sure you can check me into an asylum right now. Nobody would ask any questions. I'm absolutely crazy because I was exhausted, not sleeping much. You're feeding all the time and then stressed about like, are they going to survive? I don't even know if I can do this. Am I going to survive? The Siskis lived next door to Stefan's parents, which was an amazing help. I really relied on my mother-in-law a lot. So Henry and Benjamin, the older two, they went over to grandma's house a lot. And I felt some guilt about that. Like, having twins, I had to abandon my other children. But they never felt that way. They loved going to grandma's house and we really needed the help. Valerie had to accept her human limitations in a new way. Realizing I'm not Wonder Woman and that I can't do all by myself. (laughs) That we are so little and what we can do is so little. And then in those moments realizing I need to turn to others for help, but I also need to turn to our Lord for help. Stefan, likewise, had to take on a lot more as a dad. That was a huge change. With the other boys, I obviously I helped, and I was happy to help. But with Joseph and James, I had to help all the time because Valerie could only handle one at a time or that kind of thing. And getting up at night was no longer dealing just with the bigger boys, but I had to like take care of those ones as well. And so it was, it was an exhausting time for me. It was really hard. Here's just one little example. Usually, if I would hold the baby for a little while and then I got tired of doing that or he's fussy or something, I could pass him back to Valerie. But then with the twins, I couldn't do that because she already had one and maybe we could trade, but I had one all the time. And that was a new experience for me because it was a call to be that much more committed to my vocation as a father and to say, like, this is really 100% of your time, you know? (laughs) Valerie is an incredible, competent, hands-on mom, wearing a baby while cooking a healthy meal and carrying on an adult conversation at the same time. Twins changed things a lot. Leaning on other people for help. Like I remember being really determined that I was going to go to the grocery store by myself because I'm the mom and this is my this is my family. I can't just think like this is too hard for me. I can't manage my own family. So um, I think they definitely helped me to have to let go of that a little bit. And yeah, having Joseph and James definitely led me further down that path, letting go of my pride a little bit and being humble and accepting help because I really needed it. For example, wearing one baby is a thing. Wearing two is kind of pushing it. 
when we had the twins, I was just stumped. Well, how do I go out? When they were a little bit bigger, I would put one in the front pack and one in a backpack and go grocery shopping like that. Because that's what I was just used to wearing my babies. And now I see people with the stroller and the, um, like, they have the two infant car seats that click into it. But I just never brought our babies around that way. So now I think, oh, that would have worked. <laughs> and Valerie could no longer let Stefan get a good night's sleep. Yeah, I had a lot of guilt. I felt really bad, especially at night when I needed um, Stefan to, well, I nursed one baby to get the other one up so that I could nurse him too. I knew he had to go to work the next day. And even though I had work the next day too, I was home. So if I closed my eyes for a little bit, we were going to be fine. And I knew he didn't have that option. So I felt really bad about it. Stefan had to adjust his expectations regarding free time. I'm a kind of person who likes my quiet time. I like to have peace and think things through and not be interrupted. And, oh yeah, I have seven boys. That's really hard to do. (laughs) And I had to really rethink what it was that I was looking for in my family life. Before, not that I was just checking the boxes and then being done with it, but it it was more on that side of, okay, I I did my duties and now I have my the time that belongs to me. And after Joseph and James were born, I had to burn that idea. And that was not easy. That was really hard to come to grips with the fact that like, this needs to be 100% of my time. Stefan also started to see children differently. He had never understood why people got so worked up about babies. I started to look at all of our children differently and to appreciate them each more. Just enjoy their presence and enjoy the time with them in itself. It is incredible to see the uniqueness of your children. I could see it in all of our boys. But just having them, same circumstances, same pregnancy, same home life, same birth, and then they're from day one just so different and so unique. And then that transfers to, wow, all of our children are like that. And it's not just because, well, he's the second born or, well, he's born during that stressful time or whatever. Wow, God made us all that way. And it just really increased my awe and wonder of all the gifts God has given us and seeing each person that I meet as this really amazing, unique individual with a unique soul. Stefan thinks that the twins forced him to be an adult. I can try to make myself grow up, but to a certain extent, I can't mature without being thrown these challenges. I can never give myself in a way that I ought to just by saying, okay, I want to do this. I've got my plan for being a good person and I'm going to do that. And it it never works out until you're confronted with a little baby and you have to get up multiple times at night for weeks and weeks and months because you have to take care of the child. And then you give yourself in a way that you never thought was possible. Maybe it's not very pretty when you do it, but you do it. That's what it means when people talk about like my heart grew bigger. And I, I didn't understand that when I was younger. God gives you this great opportunity to grow, and you just do it because you have to. So let's talk about faith for a minute. How was any of this experience different because Valerie and Stefan are Catholic? My faith, I just don't know what I would do without it. Knowing that I couldn't rely on myself, I always wanted to be a mom. So I just thought, this is what I want to do. I love it. I love taking care of our kids. But then hitting a point where... I was just exhausted and 
maybe didn't love every minute in the emotional way that I wanted to. But then having my faith to know that, well, that's okay. It's okay that I don't have that emotion behind it all the time. Because that's not how your faith is. You know it's true. And so you continue to persevere and ask for help to grow in the love that you need to support your family. So and to love each child individually. So definitely my faith was so imperative for that. I think sometimes when we've got this big challenge, we want to say, well, it's actually not such a challenge for me because I've got my faith and that helped me get through it without being totally scarred by this process. And that never happens to me. I mean, when some hard thing is happening in my life, I exhibit pretty poor behavior. (laughs) And then the faith part comes in and saying, okay, we can start over. I can go to confession. I can get advice from friends, from advisors, priests, whatever. And I can remember that God loves me after I have done these things that are immature or not very loving. In that sense, my faith, like Valerie was saying, was essential because it's something that keeps me starting over again all the time. And then I think this is my favorite story of Jesus intervening for Valerie. At some point, I had decided that I needed to um, drink less coffee. And so I was like, I just, I can't be dependent on this. I wanted to feel like I could just get through the day and I didn't have to have coffee. And then I remember one morning just kind of losing it. Things were a mess probably and the boys were everywhere. And I think I stepped into the bathroom and was like, Lord, I cannot do this. And I feel like he was like, I am trying to help you. I'm handing you a cup of coffee. (laughs) And you're not taking it. (laughs) So at that point, I realized this is maybe not the season for me to give up that kind of thing. And yes, I need to like not be totally dependent on it. But you know, when I need a little boost and a pick me up, it's okay. I can use that and thank God for handing me a cup of coffee. I asked the Siskis for any last words of advice for parents of twins. As a man, if you're concerned about dealing with all of the responsibilities and getting things in order and having enough money and all those practical responsibilities, being able to look forward to think, I'm going to have this two or three or however many new gifts in my life, and it's going to be a beautiful thing that continues for a long time. The time does pass, and then <laughs> you get to two amazing people out of it. So I remember sitting on our bed and picking up Joseph and just looking at him and looking at his face and what are you like? Who are you? And just kind of spending time just with him and then doing the same thing with James. Like what makes you unique and special and putting it in perspective that way. Now, let me introduce you to the Kerrs. Uh, My name is Jill Kerr. I've been married to Matt for 15 years. We had three children and then figured out that we were having three more at one time. So we have six children. My name is Matt Kerr. Matt and Jill were happy parents of three children. And at some point when they were dating and talking about how many children they hoped for, Matt had said four and Jill said six. As it turned out so far, they were both kind of right. So I was eight weeks into my fourth pregnancy and I wasn't feeling well, so I called and I said, I'd like to come in and see somebody. And they said, oh, well, you can't see anybody today. You can come in next week. I pestered them about it, and finally they said, okay, well, you can come in and have an ultrasound. So I said, okay. 
at the doctor's office, Jill just wanted to know that everything was okay. I just sat down and was kind of sleepy, and I was waiting for the image to pop up on the screen, and it was there, and I kind of I saw the heart beating, and so I relaxed right away. She lies back, listening to the thrum, thrum, and feels better. And then the sonographer wasn't saying very much, and finally she said, do you want me to tell you about your baby? And that kind of startled me, and I said, well, what do you mean? It's a little early to tell me whether it's a boy or a girl. And she said, well, if you look at the screen, you can see that there are three heartbeats, three separate sacs, three babies. Now, Jill is by herself. This was supposed to just be an appointment to calm her fears, not to change her life. And I just started crying and laughing at the same time because I was in complete shock. I don't really shock that easily. Yeah, it was just kind of hysterical. And she looked at them and she said, they look great. Would you like to see a doctor? (laughs) And I said, yes, please. She wants to get in touch with Matt right away. But her phone is dead. So she needs to borrow someone's charger and just pray that he'll pick up in Cape Cod, where he is with the team that he coaches. Jill called me and asked me if I was driving. I wasn't, but I panicked because I thought it was going to be something something bad. And I asked her to tell me what it was she was calling about. And she paused and waited and, and then told me the story that she just told you. So I was just ecstatic. It was new life and it was times three. Matt was so excited. He just wanted to hear it again and again. I asked her probably three or four times to repeat what she had told me. We were camping at Nickerson State Park. I was just sitting down and walked down the trail as she was telling me the story down to this pond. And I just sat there and we just sort of repeated the story over and over and over, trying to make sense of the fact that we were having three babies instead of one. I couldn't believe it. And from day one, it's been an exciting adventure. You kept repeating, everything's going to be different now. I remember that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was true. And it has been. (laughs) They both knew that nothing would be the same after this. We kind of have like a BT and AT era in our family, the before triplets and the after triplets. Jill and Matt wanted to tell their kids right away. The doctors and nurses cautioned us against telling them. You know, they said there are a lot of risks involved with this type of pregnancy. Oftentimes, not all three of them will make it. So they said, you know, just keep that in mind when you're having a conversation with your kids. But Matt and I talked about it, and we agreed from the start that we were going to be really open about it because we knew that we needed everybody in our family praying for it. We said, you know, we're all in this together. So we told our kids immediately. As soon as I got home from the doctor, we sat down and we had a conversation about it. And I just said, okay. Time to start praying to get these babies here safely. And I also knew that no matter what happened, we were going to be going through it as a family. They're part of that. I don't know if you remember this from when you were a kid, but something like this happening in your family basically makes you famous. They were thrilled. They were absolutely thrilled. They were also like completely surprised. That's a pretty fun story to tell your friends. Right away, they wanted to know, can we tell everybody? Who can we tell? (laughs) When can we tell? I think we said, you know, hold off on telling your friends. Give us a few days. They could barely keep it in, and I think we could barely keep it in. They had a few friends ask their mothers, can you have triplets? Can we do that? (laughs) Not only was the family about to grow to be immediately two times its size, 
Matt and Jill realized that the house they lived in and thought they could make work with four kids definitely wouldn't work for six. So one month before the triplets arrived, the Cares moved into their new home with the help of their friends. We had 60 or 70 people show up to help us move. It just became an assembly line moving us out and moving us back in. We sat at the new place while this group coordinated itself. They were moving stuff into the living room, but they weren't just putting it down. They were setting things up and, uh, and organizing the furniture and getting books out and putting it on the shelves. Yeah, it was a really magical day that day. Right? It felt like a party. It felt like we were, we were celebrating. So humbling to be the recipient of that kind of help from that many people. I have a little like scrap of paper where a friend of mine wrote down the names of everybody who was there that, that they could remember. 72 people are on this little, <laughs> little scrap of paper, and I keep it pinned to a clipboard in my kitchen. I look at it sometimes when I need a little pick-me-up. I mean, it's so beautiful. Because I was so pregnant, I couldn't do anything. It was difficult to even move, and they took care of everything for us. Another quick biology lesson here. We already talked about fraternal twins coming from two eggs. But identical twins are when one fertilized egg, or zygote, splits into two embryos. So for the Kerrs, we have both. Two of the girls are identical, and the third is fraternal. The fraternal twin, Jessamine, had them worried at first. She was born with a benign tumor in her heart that was almost the size of her heart. It was the size of a golf ball. You would never know it from looking at her. She was six and a half pounds when she was born, which is gigantic for a triplet. And so she's always been the picture of health, just this really robust baby, full of joy and laughter. But she had open heart surgery at nine months of age. She's our baby who the doctors told us in utero was going to have all these problems. And that might be a story for another podcast, what the doctors recommended that we do with her in utero. But she's just our our miracle child. And she knows no limits. Mm -hmm. She's just amazing. So let's talk about some practicalities of life with triplets. It's almost impossible to feed three babies at once. Something I learned about having triplets is that you have to you feed them all at once so that then they can sleep all at the same time. Otherwise, you're just eating all the time and never sleeping. So we would have to have somebody with us almost at all times. I mean, we don't have any family close by. So our family was great. They took shifts flying in to spend time with us. But we had neighbors, friends. I'm a teacher. I had my students volunteered all the time. Just some, it was kind of like a round-the-clock shift so that we could care not only for the triplets, but we had a two-year-old as well. Our daughter Eloise turned two the day before they were born. Two-year-olds need a lot of care, too. So we had people in our home all the time bottling babies, changing babies, playing with the two-year-old, bringing me the babies so I could nurse them. And we had this whole elaborate system that would record on the charts who ate when and for how long and how much they ate because you can't, it all runs together. You can't keep track of it if you don't write it down. And what goes in must come out. We would go through 24 diapers a day or more sometimes. And that was kind of the average, like eight diapers a day for a newborn We've broken, I don't know how many diaper pails. There are no diaper pails that can keep up with our family. We've probably had five or six since they've been born. Just like Valerie, Jill couldn't do all the things that she used to do for the family. I'm a working mom, but I love to be in the home baking and cooking. And that's something 
I haven't been able to do much of since the pregnancy really ramped up and since the girls have arrived. So we discovered that Matt's really good in the kitchen, actually, and our daughter Madeline is 12 now, so she has become quite a good baker. So she'll bake things, cook things. It's kind of hard to let go of those things, but it's amazing to discover the talents of the other members of your family. People take pride in that, sharing those gifts. So basically, the Kerr's house had to be one with a wide open door. The whole experience has just been eye-opening, and it's something that has really drawn me out. I'm not a shy person, but I'm also not somebody who necessarily thought, you know, I'd be, be sharing so much with so many people, bringing so many people into our home and entrusting them with members of our family and walking out of a room and saying, okay, you guys can take care of these three kids while I do this or do that. It's brought a whole sense of community that I thought I had, but it pales in comparison to what we have now, the relationships that have grown and the families that have given so much time and that we've gotten to know in, in such a great way. There's no way like you can compensate for the kind of help that we've received. can't pay people back for like cooking meals for our family for a whole year or moving us into a home or coming and help, helping to care for our babies. It's been such a blessing. And so many people have said, you know, thank you for letting us help you, which is like, I can remember people leaving our house after having, like, having taken an overnight shift and saying, thank you. And we would look at each other and we would go, Let me just shake our why are you saying this? I don't want to like... thank you. You just stayed up all night sleep. But, you know, after a while, we started to realize, oh, it really is pretty special to be able to help, to give help when you know that somebody can't pay you back for it. Matt and Jill both work with kids, although technically Matt's team is college students, so they're adults, but you know what I mean. It's amazing how many of them volunteered their time. I teach at a wonderful girls' school. They would come for like four or five hours at a time, like regularly. Some of them would come like once a week. Some of them would come more frequently than that. Just volunteering their time, like not not paid babysitting or anything. It, It blew my mind. Teams benefited from it, and we've invited them over here several times, and it's been a great experience for everybody. The guys talked about it a lot. They talked about they evolved through this process, too, which kind of took me by surprise. They were reminiscing about the birth and the surgery and this and that, and I realized that they were all part of that process, too, and they were hearing everything that I was talking about, sort of feeling everything that I was feeling, and I'm really passionate about my family and our kids and chill and not very good at holding things back. So I just kind of spill the beans every time I go into practice and tell them stuff. And I didn't realize that it had that kind of a positive impact. It's hard enough going to mess with a toddler and a newborn. Imagine a toddler and three newborns. We would go to mass on Sunday as a family. And it was so amazing because our parish was really aware of our situation. They were aware of the triplets. And we had a number of close friends and families. And so we would go to Mass, and it would be, of course, somebody would start crying. could be anybody. could be the two-year-old. could be, usually it wasn't me. <laughs> but it could be, like, any of the young children. People would turn around, and they'd say, can we help you? And we would just pass the babies off. And so they would go. They were almost like everybody's babies. So we would pass them, and people were all so thrilled to hold one of them. It was a really beautiful time, and it lasted 
I don't know. It probably lasted for the first year and a half of their lives. I always ask people I interview for concrete stories. It's such a blur the first couple of years, but I'm thinking my kids, when I asked them, I said, what stories should we tell? And they said, oh, you have to tell the story of Jessamine. Jessamine is the one, if you remember, who had the tumor. And she's turned out to be the most impish of the three. They're only two years old. And I was outside with the three of them in the front yard. This was two weeks ago. And I was in a corner of the yard with Rose and Violet. I was out there by myself. So their names are Rose and Violet and Jessamine, our three flowers, born on Valentine's Day. And I was out there with the two of them, Rose and Violet, and I... Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Jessamine get up on my now four-year-old's bike. And I thought, well, she's not really going to go anywhere. And if she falls over, she's going to fall on grass, so she'll be okay. So I looked away to tend to whatever emergency was happening with the other two. And I turned back around to look at her, and she's turned the bike around 180 degrees and is riding down the hill of our front yard, heading straight for the badminton net. And I panic, thinking, oh my gosh, like, what is she doing? She's going to hurt herself. And she runs right into the net and falls off the bike, laughing. I still don't know how she got that bike going because her feet didn't reach the pedals. But she did, and she just, she does stuff like that all the time. And her mischievousness has shown itself at other times. I tucked them in a couple weeks ago, and everything was fine. I closed the gate on their room because they have a baby gate in their room. And I walked downstairs, and I was stirring dinner. 60 seconds later, I heard this little sound, and I turned around, and there she was standing behind me. We have a really huge set of stairs. She had somehow opened the baby gate, come down the stairs in her sleep sack, silently walked by Matt in the living room, and was standing behind me laughing. It was like the baby on The Incredibles. I still don't know how she got there or how she did that without hurting herself or making any noise. Mm -hmm. And her sisters didn't say anything. They just stayed in bed. (laughs) They wanted to see if she could make it. I think they did. Matt and Jill are just blown away by this gift that they've been given. We had dreams and plans involving all kinds of things, aspects of our family life. And it was like God laughed at our plans and said, how about this instead? Because Matt was right. It really changed everything. To have multiples means God gives you this incredible gift. It really does require a generosity of heart because it really is impossible to comprehend what a day is like in the life of a a home with newborn triplets or one-year-old triplets or even two-year-old triplets unless you've been in it. And at the same time, God has given them what they need to get through. Our faith has been has been everything. I mean, I really, I don't know how we would have done it without our faith. I mean, from the very beginning, we just, we put it in God's hands and, and ask people to pray for us, you know, whatever the outcome, and to pray for Jessamine when she was having her open heart surgery. I figure God must really trust us to have given us three babies at once. They're both pretty, like, high-energy, organized, hardworking types. But no matter how organized you are or how much you want things to go a certain way, there is no way. Like, things are just kind of out of control at times. You know, and that's the case in everybody's life. Control is really an illusion. But in a family with multiples, I mean, there are just, there are moments every day where things seem like they're out of control and you just have to put it put it in God's hands and have faith that he's 
given you these children because he trusts you and because he knows that you can do it. It's a huge lesson in abandonment. And it's incredible how you ask for it, he sends you the help that you need. And it's humbling every day, but it's such a great lesson. Matt and Jill have the same advice as the Siskis for new parents of multiples. Having a willingness to accept help when it's offered. The importance of being part of a community. Being part of a community really carried us through, I wouldn't call it a crisis, it was like a very exciting time, but it was a time when our family really relied on the help of other people. And so being part of a community and being open to community because our, our, our community expanded as well during this time has really been such a blessing to us. Faith is a huge part of that. These families wouldn't trade their multiples for anything. This has been a really remarkable experience from start to finish. Well, we're not at finish yet, but start to present. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything with the notable exception of the music. Thanks, everyone.